0: I am greatly greatly encouraged uh, to see and experience the, the Holy Spirit moving among us this morning it's uh, uh, it's just been a, a real blessing especially since um, that's exactly what I'm going to be speaking on this morning <laughs> so um, as we move forward from the foundation series that that Josh and, and some others ha- have laid. We're going to start building on that foundation now into discipleship, which is basically, some Some may say, well, what is discipleship? Well, discipleship is, is learning how to follow Jesus, how to walk your everyday life as a believer in Jesus Christ and what that means and how do we actually do that, you know? So... Um, we're getting started a little late, I'll be honest with you, I probably have a little bit longer uh, stuff here than you probably uh, were prepared to listen to this morning, so I'm just going to uh, ask you to be patient, I'll get through it, and, uh, and stop when the Holy Spirit says to stop. So, um, But we're going to start out here this morning with, uh, who is the Holy Spirit? Just who is this? Uh, all my life, I have heard the phrase from time to time, the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you know. And as uh, long before I, I ever got saved, as my parents would uh, take us occasionally to church and I'd hear this, and I never really gave it much thought. Um, but then after I got saved, after I was born again, uh, I developed a little more interest in what is this? And I began to realize that the Holy Spirit is a little bit more than maybe just this force or this thing that's the third part of the phrase, Holy, uh, the Father, the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit. So, I think that it's quite easy and quite possible that among us uh, are sitting people who actually have questions themselves. What is this? Who is this? Uh, there's a lot of teachings out there. There's people who have never heard of the Holy Spirit, uh, and so turn with me to Acts chapter 19 and verse one. Now I'll be reading from the, uh, the ESV version, the English Standard Version, which Chris told me we don't have on the computer, so. Uh the new American Standard Version will be up there, but I think y'all it'll be close enough that y'all won't get confused and lost along the way. So, so Acts nineteen uh, verse one And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've never even heard of a Holy Spirit. So here's a perfect example right out of the starting gate where uh, it is entirely possible to be a believer and not even understand that there is a Holy Spirit, what that Holy Spirit does, and why the Holy Spirit is important in our lives. We all know, or many of us have heard, that God is a trinity of three persons in one. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. But we don't often give, I think, enough place to exactly who is the Holy Spirit in our lives. Does anybody have any idea where is the first place in Scripture the Holy Spirit is mentioned? Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. Just turn there real quick if you can. The interesting part about this here is it says, verse 1, in the beginning, God. Now, I'm the kind of person who kind of geeks out a little bit on word studies. So I, I like to know what's behind things. And sometimes, well, it can lead me down some rabbit holes. But, um, but the word God here, the Hebrew word for God here, does anybody know what it is? I'm going to say it wrong. So It's Elohim. Elohim is a plural word. It is the plural form of L. So, right out of the starting gate, in the beginning, God, plural, created the heavens and earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and what? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right out of the starting gate, God is plural and who is the first of the three mentioned in scripture the holy spirit got to be something to this there's got to be some importance to this turn with me to Matthew 28 skip over a lot of old testament stuff about the holy spirit Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the holy spirit there are some who have taught that the holy spirit represents nothing more than some sort of force of god that it's not a true personality of the godhead i've heard this teaching myself many times like it like it's something like magnetism or gravity you know some weird force that just exists but jesus says Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a distinct entity that is part of the triune God. Yes. Absolutely. Um, let's go to 2 Corinthians 13. Today might be a Bible drill, folks. patience with me because I forgot to write down which verse I was actually starting with here. You're right. Thank you. You must have been there. Finally, brethren, rejoice. I'm backed up to 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. You don't fellowship with a force. You don't fellowship with magnetism. You don't fellowship with gravity. You don't fellowship with anything else along those lines you think of. You fellowship with a distinct entity, a distinct person. So, What is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives today? Okay, who is this person in our lives? What place does he play and how does he come to affect things? Let's go to John chapter 14. Some of these things I am going to be just reading some scripture because there is so much of it here that Jesus is talking about that, to be honest with you, I can't find better words than his to talk about them. So um, so here we are. Let me set the stage a little bit. Uh, John chapter 14. Uh, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, giving, him, giving them final encouragement, instructions. He, they are at uh, the Passover dinner, and uh, Jesus is giving them their final Uh, his final things for them. So let's just start here at uh, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You remember a few weeks ago when I spoke on being born again, and I talked about uh when Nicodemus came to Jesus, and Jesus told him, You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot understand it. You will not know what's going on. This is another extension of that. The world cannot see him or receive or know uh what he is about. It neither sees him or knows him. But he goes on and says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I want you to take special note of that right there. I will not leave you. What is Jesus about to do? He's about to leave. He's he's going. Okay, where is he now? He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. Okay, but he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and you will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father Who sent me to you? These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, this is a pretty astounding couple of verses to me here. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. Does anybody know what the, uh, the Greek word for helper is here? Anybody? Who said that? Patsy? Paraclete. Okay. In Greek, do you know what paraclete means? Patsy. Right. As someone who pulls alongside. Also implies as a counselor and as a guide. And as a helper. So, pulls right alongside. So, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. What has he got to teach us? Didn't Jesus teach? Yes? No? Come on. <laughs> yes, Jesus taught. Did Jesus teach Everything that we need to know while he was here on this earth. Who said no? No. What's your name again, brother? Dave. Dave. All right. That's right. Jesus did not teach everything that we need to know in the three and a half years. How many of you people have ever heard of red-letter Christians? Huh? Raise your hand if you've heard of red-letter Christians. Jocelyn, what are they? Or who are they? That's the only thing that they read, and that's the only thing they believe, and they say it's 100%, we don't need anything else. It's not true. And this verse tells you right here, but the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. I don't know how much more clear Jesus could make it when he said, I am going away, but I will not leave you alone. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete, our guide, our counselor. He is the active force, most active on the earth today. That is what's going on. That is why the Holy Spirit is important. This is not to take away, obviously, anything from Jesus and what he has done in our lives and the salvation that comes through his sacrifice on the cross. But it is the Holy Spirit who is now guiding us, helping us, teaching us, bringing to remembrance those things that Jesus has said. Let's go over to John. Some of this is just reinforcement here. Uh, down to verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Here again, Jesus is saying he didn't teach us everything. Not in those three and a half years he was in ministry. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. For whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. Amen. In our daily walk, it is the Holy Spirit that we should be focusing on in terms of guidance, teaching, and what we should be doing. He is our guide and he is our counselor. And that is his role. And if we don't understand this, if we don't walk in this, we miss much of what God has for us. We miss a lot. Um, I'm going to go through here. You don't have to turn to these scriptures here, but... In terms of the way the Holy Spirit was working, especially in the book of Acts, after the Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit fell. Now, I'm not going to talk on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Josh has already covered that quite well. I'm talking about next-level stuff. What happens next after that? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost. What happened? 3,000 people saved. In Acts 7, Peter, or Stephen, not Peter, A newly appointed uh, deacon was filled with the Holy Ghost and preached the gospel. I don't know when was the last time you read through that that chapter 7 and and the gospel that that Stephen preached there. But, uh, man, I get shivers just reading it. So I can imagine what was going on there. In Acts chapter 8, Philip uh, was uh, told by the Holy Spirit To come alongside the eunuch, who immediately got saved and was baptized. In Acts chapter 10, Peter was led by the Spirit to Cornelius, a centurion's house. And that is the first recorded instance of a Gentile, of a non-Jewish person being saved. It was astounding. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is trying to go into uh, Asia, and the Holy Spirit stops him. All these examples here are to show us that in Acts, they were focused on hearing the Holy Spirit. They were not focused on trying to hear Jesus. They were focused on hearing the Holy Spirit. They knew what this was about and where it comes from. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. It's a little bit here about walking by the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. There is now no condemnation. For mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, and indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who raised Christ Jesus from uh, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through who? The Spirit who dwells in you. It is extremely important that we learn to walk by the Spirit. We don't walk by law. We don't walk by rules and regulations. We don't walk by, don't touch this, don't do that. Although there are things we shouldn't touch, and there are things we shouldn't do. They're not rules of life for us. They're they're actually fruit of life for us. We walk by the Spirit. Let's drop down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for saints. He also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, you can see it is vital that we learn how to walk by the Holy Spirit. But how do you hear the Holy Spirit? You know, that's the question that I think is goes next in everybody's mind. In fact, I was asked that this morning. How do you hear the Holy Spirit? It's like, well easy, but not so easy. So, um, how many people here, and you don't have to raise your hands, but you can if you want. How many people here feel like they have actually heard God speak to them? I'll, I'll raise my hand. How many of you here have heard God speak in a physical, audible voice? My hand stays down. I'm not saying he can't, but I'll tell you, I've never experienced that. And uh, I see a couple of hands go up here, and I can't argue with you on that one. Um, But I can say this, based on the number of hands that were up versus the number of hands that went up on the second question, it's not a common thing. So how do we hear the voice of God? How do we know that the voice that God is speaking to us? Let's go a little bit to, uh, let's go to 1 Kings. All the way back there. Sometimes I have trouble finding it again too. 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. While you're on the way there, let me uh, set the stage for you here a little bit. Um, Elijah, for those of you who know this section of, of scripture or have heard this story, Elijah has just called the Fire down uh, on the altars. A little bit of a a contest between him and the uh, the prophets of, uh, I think it was Jezebel, and her false prophets. And they decided to set up a little contest to find out whose God was mightier. And so I'm not going to belabor everything about the story, but we'll just say that the the prophets and their uh, calling down fire upon their altar didn't really go much of anywhere. And Elijah called down fire onto his altar, and it, and it burned up everything, including the streams around it. So here's this mighty, mighty act of God um, that took place that Elijah called down. Elijah was a mighty prophet, and Jezebel heard about what happened and sent a messenger to Elijah saying... So may the gods do this to me and more also if I do not make your life as one of the life of them by this time tomorrow. And Elijah, he picked up his sword and he went running after Jezebel. He was going to get her. Oh, no. (laughs) What what happened, Bob? He took off running. After a mighty act like that, you would think that this guy is going to say, (laughs) who are you? (laughs) You you didn't see this, did you? But no. He ran. He ran. But that's not even the story that I want to talk about here. He ran and he came to a cave. He finds himself in this cave. And he's, well, he's complaining to God. He's complaining. He He said, I've had enough. Can't you just take me home? I've had enough. And so... Starting down at uh, verse 9, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed the prophets and killed your prophets with the sword. And I even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Man, not only was he scared, he was having a big pity party. So, and he, the Lord, said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore over the mountains. And broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Some translations here say a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. He knew this was God. He knew this was the Spirit of God. And went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he went on and to talk about that. But well, what I want to talk about here is the earthquake. God shows his Power in mighty ways. Elijah had just witnessed the power of God consume the altar. He stood in front of the cave and saw an earthquake that God brought about. He saw a great and mighty rushing wind that God brought about. He saw a fire that God brought about. But what did he not see in those. What did he not get in those? He did not hear the voice of God. He witnessed the mighty acts of God, but he did not hear the voice of God. Where did he hear the voice of God or how did he hear the voice of God? That low whisper, that still, small voice. And that is how God most often speaks to us. You don't have to turn there because I'm just going to mention very briefly Psalm 46.10 where God says something that's familiar to most of us here. Be still and know that I am God. Go to Acts chapter 10. I'm on the last page of my notes, so hang in there. I haven't seen anybody fall over in their chair yet. Verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. We mentioned this earlier. A centurion of what was known as the Italian Cohort. A devout man who feared God with all, with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw a clear vision, and an angel of God came in and said to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send a man to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He he is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, he had departed. He called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, what's the first thing I notice in this one? is that Cornelius, when did he hear the Spirit of God? When he was quiet and before the Lord. That's when he was able to hear God speak to him. Now, Cornelius was not even a believer at this point, but he knew there was God out there. He did not know exactly who he was praying to, but he heard the voice of God in his quiet time. Verse 9, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He became hungry and wanted to eat something. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being led down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, The men were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was there. And this one's key here, verse 19. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, while Peter was pondering the vision, while he was sitting before the Lord, thinking about what God had spoke to him, what happened? He heard the Spirit. And the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. For I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. I'm going to stop that section there because my point there is, in the quiet times, when you are before the Lord, that is when most often you are going to hear his voice. Let's jump over to chapter 13. Verse one, now when, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, again, while they were quiet, while they were worshiping, while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Jesus also, many times, moved away from the crowds. In uh, Luke, he had to get away from the crowds. In fact, it's recorded in Luke, Mark, and Matthew Especially after feeding the 5,000. Every time Jesus did miracles, guess what happened? He was inundated with a crowd. These people would have kept him going 24-7 until he just plain dropped of exhaustion. But he couldn't do that. So what did he do? He would get away to the desolate places and spend time with his father, hearing the voice of God. So... Learning to walk by the Spirit is probably the absolute most important thing as believers that we can do after we have been born again. Learn to walk by Spirit. Learn to hear His voice. Has anybody here ever been in any kind of relationship? <laughs> I'm not just talking about husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend. I'm talking about brother, sister. Whoever, you know, of course, we we all have. How many of you right now can close your eyes and think that if I were in a crowd of 50 people all talking, I can pick out my my spouse's voice? I I can. I mean, everybody can do that. We all know that. You know, we can do that. How many of you can pick out a stranger's voice and identify it? I can't. Nobody can. Why do you know your spouse's or your friend's voice? Why do you know that? What? Related to them? Relationship. You've spent time with them. You've spent enough time that there is no mistaking when you hear that voice. And I I tell you, learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. But it starts with spending time. And to this day, I mean literally to this day, I'm, I'm before the Lord, before I even brought this teaching. It's like, are you sure, Lord? You need to speak to me here because I need to be sure that what I'm saying is what you want said. So it's not easy. But I'll tell you this. Every time he speaks to me, I'm sure about it every time. In fact, if I'm unsure about it, that's a good kind of like red flag warning for me that, you know, maybe you're cooking this one up in your own mind, you know, or maybe some other spirit is trying to drag you off somewhere, you know. But I will say this, that every time the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I absolutely know. So. I encourage everybody here, I'm going to wrap it up at this point, but I encourage everybody here, develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have a relationship with Jesus. He has bought and paid for it. But we need to develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to allow Him in our lives. So maybe maybe some of this doesn't make sense to you, you know. Um, I wasn't gonna go here, but I will just briefly. Maybe, maybe you don't. You're here this morning and you've never heard this. Maybe you've never heard about this being born again thing. Maybe you've never heard about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, as Josh taught on. I encourage you to go there. I encourage you. We'll be up front here. You know, Josh can come up front and. Phil, Bobby, whoever, anybody can come up here and pray with you. Pray with you to get your life first, born again. To get you in relationship with God. If you've been born again, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you have questions about what it is, we're here. Just come on up. So, I think I'm going to end it there. Thank you, everybody. So.